Well, I saw those two guys standing there. I said, okay, what's, what's going on? <laughs> Am I in trouble here? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're the one that was in college with Stacy. Okay. <laughs> All right, take your Bible and turn with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Yeah, it kind of make me nervous standing there like that. Okay. <laughs> um, I am very thankful for my wife, and God has been so good to us. And, you know, if God can, and I know you may hear statements like this, but if God can use us, He can use anyone. He's just looking for those that are willing to say, Here am I, send me. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 through 5, and I was praying about what the Lord would have us to look at. It's a subject that I need, I think we all need, especially in days and time in which we live, and that is the subject of prayer. I guess if there's any title you want to give it, it is Paul's plea and passion for prayer, and surely that ought to be our passion. Right now, that's the only hope we have right now. And boy, does our country need it. Amen? And beginning in verse 1, here's Paul, and I like the word finally. Brethren, pray for us, the greatest missionary that ever lived, the greatest theologian said, I need your prayers, that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. We see the impact of his word. Then verse 2, he gives us another reason for prayer. <coughs> and that we may be delivered <coughs> from unreasonable and wicked men, for all men have not faith. Boy, do we need that today. And then it continues with the impact of prayer, verses 3 through 5. But the Lord is faithful, regardless of what we're facing, God's still on the throne, who shall establish you and keep you from evil. What a great truth. In verse 4, and we have confidence or faith in the Lord touching you that you both do and will do the things which we command you. And then in verse 5, and the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God, into the patient waiting for Christ. Let us pray. Father, I'm so thankful for your grace and mercy in my life. And Lord, I recognize daily more and more how I need the grace of God. Lord, it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's about the Savior, not about us. And how we pray that Jesus might be seen and glorified for you are worthy. Worthy is the Lamb. We thank you for this ministry, for these people who've labored and toiled, some through great battles, great storms. But God, thank you for a church that is still going forward. Would you encourage and protect the ministry? How we pray for the service this morning, Lord, we desire the presence of God. Lord, and I'm so thankful that you let me serve you. I'm so unworthy, but the grace of God, how sufficient, how adequate it is. God, touch hearts and those that are listening by, Lord, just internet or whatever it might be, or those in the auditorium this morning. God, no doubt there's some heavy hearts, maybe some deep battles. I have no idea what the struggles are, but God, would you touch that life this morning? Only you can set the captive free. We cannot do anything without you. Lord, we love you, but thank you for loving us in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. <clears throat> Kathy kind of reminded me of a lot of things about Italy. That was, um, she said, no. <laughs> I remember one of the earthquakes we had, it was so bad, I honestly thought, the girls were in the back, one of the back rooms playing. We were living in two-story. I thought, girls, what are you doing? You're tearing the house down. And that was certainly Stacy and Stephanie, one of them. But it wasn't. And uh, it was just an earthquake. But, you know, God brought us through it. And God is so good. I think of the lives that, you know, that God used to touch. And, 
In fact, I was telling you this morning in Sunday school about we got broken too so many times. I thought, well, I'm going to take care of this. So I bought two guard dogs. And that was great. One was a German Shepherd. One was, I don't know what it was. I said, oh, yeah, that'll help protect your home. I said, that is so great. So we were gone. We came back. And all of a sudden, the door was kicked in again. And I'm thinking, oh, my goodness. So we walked in. We couldn't even. I said, they stole the dogs, too. <laughs> Everything's gone. I said, this is bad. They even stole our dogs. <laughs> During the night, I started hearing some whimpering. And sure enough, the guard dogs were behind the couch hiding. <laughs> so they didn't last long. <laughs> but you know, God is sufficient. When I think about the subject of prayer, I'm reminded over and over again, when I feel like it's over, God said it's time to pray. When I think about the subject of prayer, I'm reminded once again, it's like air to the lungs, air to the body. Without it, we cannot survive. It is like blood that is needed for the heart and the body. Without it, we cannot be, have the strength or the ability to overcome or our body to heal itself, and we need it. And God never intended for the church nor the child of God to simply get saved or the best you can to get to heaven. It's not just reading the Scriptures and thank God for the reading of the Scriptures. But I believe one of the greatest needs of today is the fact of a bended knee that can move mountains for God. Amen. It may be the saint that may be never be seen nor heard, yet if they're praying, God sees and answers that prayer. Can I challenge you? We need prayer. Amen. I've never seen a time in our country, and I said some of the things this morning in Sunday school, I never dreamed that I would see a country in which we lived when we have politicians who are literally doing all they can to destroy the country and cause it to collapse and force communism. I would have never dreamed that this would happen in our country, yet I recognized the movement of it many, many years ago. No doubt some of you did as well. I remember when I was in public school in Alabama growing up on a little island there, and I remember, um, you know, during, it was back in the early 60s, I remember they, would, they brought some refugees by that escaped under Castro, under Cuba, uh, communism. And they wanted us to hear, the, at that time the government said, we want you to hear the dangers of communism. Did it, you ever, guys ever had that happen to you? I remember it did for us. And I'm sitting there listening to this family, the weeping, the burden, the passion of what happened to them. We were promised socialism and everything would be great. He said, but soon as Castro took over, communism came in. And then all of a sudden the preachers were shot and killed or imprisoned. If you stood or said anything in defiance of the government, your life was over. Your livelihood came to an end. And they warned us, you're already in the process of going in that direction. Wake up, America. And I'll tell you, I see this, and I, I'll be honest, after the election, I found myself, preacher, going through great depression. I'm being honest with you, as a child of God. And, the, and God said, what are you doing? And God had to remind me, Romans 8, 28, for all things work together. But I said, God, this doesn't look very good. No. But I think America, God's trying to get our attention. I think for the church and for Dave Cook, God is trying to revive us and stir us, remind us again of the need and the passion for prayer. The greatest need for missionaries is prayer, not just support, but we need prayer support. The greatest need of the pastor, the churches, and so on, we need prayer today, more than ever before today. I remember reading when I was teaching in Bible college and I was teaching a subject, I don't remember which one, but I came across a little statement that made the statement, the average Christian in the early days of America, the pioneers prayed on an average of three hours a day. No wonder great things begin to move and to happen. Amen. You pray, God begins to work. The sincere Christian, regardless of what your wealth or your status may be, when you honestly pray and seek the face of God, heaven is there. 
Satan says we've got too many things going on to bend the knee and bow and pray and worship him. But dear friend, if we're not praying, it's all in vain. Prayer is a reminder. It's about the sufficiency of God and the inability of man. God's never been impressed. I remember when I was in England. In fact, when I was going through one of the battles and storms and, you know, it just had so little growth and so much hatred and animosity, you know, at that time. And I thought, man, oh, man, oh, man. I remember somebody gave me a book, and at first I said, this is not encouraging. It made the statement that God never sees what you do. God never recognizes what you do. God will never bless what you do. He only blesses what God the Son is doing. What does, the God, the, what does God the Father see God the Son doing in you that He will bless it and bless you? And boy, did that leave an impact. I said, Lord, I've been striving and I keep forgetting. It's all about the Son of God. It's not about Dave Cook. It's not about you and I. It's all about Jesus Christ. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. I look at this particular chapter here and I'm reminded. That, in fact, I love these books, tremendous books. A young church, a fairly young church going through great trials, great conflicts, great battles. Yet they were moving mountains for God. Great testings, great trials. And Paul was concerned about their faith and their continuance in the things of God. And so Paul wrote these two books, and I love it when it comes to the last. There's many reasons this was a great church. Paul was concerned maybe they might quit, but I tell you what, Paul found out they wasn't quitting. They were continuing, continuing, even in the midst of great sacrifice and great suffering, great trials. Amen. Keep on keeping on for the Lord, regardless of the cost. Boy, what God did. We need that today. Can I say this since the election? God's caused me to say, Lord, forgive me for honoring the country more than I honor my Lord. Can I say that? And I honor my country. Don't misunderstand. I love the flag, but I love the kingdom of heaven more. Does that make sense? And I think sometimes in my life, my priorities are wrong and God has to remind me to seek ye first the kingdom of God. How I look forward to that day when that trumpet will sound, I'll see that face. What a day, what a day that will be. My Jesus, I shall see. And I look forward to that. Can I challenge you? Whatever you're facing, God is not depressed. God is not discouraged. God is not weary and well-doing. I get there. <laughs> and God said, what are you doing? He already knows the outcome. But I keep forgetting, and I know the theology, but I still forget. I teach it, yet I forget. Boy, you're hearing a lot of faults and failures of the preacher, the missionary this morning, aren't you? But it's there. And God is so gracious that He keeps putting up with me and working in my life. And one day soon, I'll never fail Him again. What a day. But here is Paul closing these two books. And I love the fact that it comes to the fact of the subject of prayer to these Christians who are going through great trials, turning the known world upside down for God. And the last subject that he deals with is the power of prayer. As I said in my prayer, you know, that Paul was probably the greatest theologian that has ever lived. The greatest missionary that ever accomplished great things for God. Yet Paul recognized above all things what I need. I need prayer. And he wanted them to understand the power of prayer. When I think about prayer, I'm reminded of what Isaiah said in Isaiah 65, 24. And it shall come to pass that before they call, I love this one, I will answer. That is God. God is eagerly waiting for you and I to pray. And boy, missionaries need it. And while they are yet speaking, I'm already there involved and I'm going to hear. And then he said, oh, do we know 2 Chronicles 7, 14. Boy, we see once again and we're reminded, America, we need what? We need God. We need to apply 2 Chronicles 7, 14. 
If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, and then will I hear from heaven. That is God's promise. And will forgive their sin and will heal their land. That is the promise of God and He's waiting for you and I. You and I are the hope of America. What built this country? The old timey Christian. Amen. The old fashioned believer that stood and believed on the Word of God and understood prayer. Lord, get us back to the basics again. Amen. Jeremiah 33, 3, God's telephone number. We all know that one. Call unto me and I will answer thee. And, and notice, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. And you know what? The government cannot stop God. Amen. I started to mention some names. I'm not going to do that. I might get negative, and I don't want to do that. Luke 5, I mean, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. Pray without ceasing. That's Paul again. How important is prayer? And then I look at the Savior himself when he said, men don't always to pray and not faint. Are you discouraged? Prayer is God's medicine, God's remedy. In Luke chapter 22, verse 46, and verse 40 and 46, is pray that you enter not into temptation. Man, the trials, the battles of life, how do you overcome? How do you endure the health and the circumstances? All the, you know, I don't listen to the news. I get angry. So well, I'd rather read God's good news and be encouraged. They don't have the solutions. They've only got defeatism. I'd rather read the Word of God and be uplifted and know that God is, they're not in charge, they just think they are. God still reigns. We ought to vote, but let me tell you something, voting's not going to change it, it's going to be God that changes it. Matthew chapter 9 verse 38, boy, the key to missions. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. How about that? So the success of missions is what is prayer. The success of the church is prayer. When I thought about prayer, I'm reminded of Moses when he prayed the mountain was shaken. We need some mountains shaken today Amen. in my life, our ministries, our country more than ever before. I think of Canada. I enjoyed meeting the brother that was from uh, Morse, uh, uh, Canada, and uh, had some, that was, I know where that is, been there many times. And then I think about, you know, Canada, pray for them. It's tough. A lot of the men I know, a lot of the preachers I know, some of them I'm trained and we're all going through great trials, but you know what? They're going on for the Lord. I think about Elijah. He prayed and the, fire fit and the fire fell. We need the fire of God today more than ever before. Hannah prayed and God gave her son. Lord, how we need to pray. God, give us America. Lord, give us men and women who know God, willing to surrender and get saved by the grace of God. Lord, give us our country. Christ prayed and the dead could not remain dead. Lord, do it again. Amen. And touching lives and changing lives. Paul prayed and practiced prayer and he taught prayer and pleaded to pray as he did in this chapter alone. I remember on another occasion when I first started the Bible college and you know the doctors told us we could not have children. And I remember coming in and one day and um, been labor, worked and went to Bible college. Some of you guys understand that when I came in and I, I didn't know if I was coming or going sometime. But anyway I came in and Kathy said we're going to have children. I looked at her. said yeah. I said I, I was reading the scriptures and God gave me a promise. Nine months later, God gave us a little girl. Amen. And then God gave us four little girls. I'm outnumbered. <laughs> now we'll soon have 15 grandkids. <laughs> Lord is good. God can do anything. I remember when I was, just before I got out of the military, my dad was an alcoholic in and out of prison. Life was messed up. And one day I come in from church and God burned my heart and said, I want you to pray for your dad. And I had given up on him. He, he wouldn't talk about religion, wouldn't talk about God. It was just a pure alcoholic, broken into homes, full of crimes. 
And uh, I was ashamed to even admit that he was my dad. And um, I came in and God, the burden was so heavy. And I got on my, I said, God, I don't know why. And all of a sudden God said, I want you to pray for your dad. And God, and I've never had this happen. God said, I want you to thank me. I'm going to save your dad. And I thought, wow, that's weird. And I said, Lord, I don't know how, but okay, I'm going to thank you that you're going to do this. I forgot about it. Got out of the military, went home to see my grandparents one more time, and sure enough, guess who? Here comes a police car up the driveway, my grandparents, and out of the car comes my dad. He's friends with all the policemen. He was a likable guy, just a criminal and drunk. And he comes in the house, and I'm thinking, here we go again. And all of a sudden, he was only 47. He looks at me and said, my life's a mess, can you help me? Wow. Never before would he talk to me. Wow. And that verse, I mean, that prayer came back to me. We went out in the woods and under an old pine tree in Alabama, he knelt, pulled out a pint of whiskey, broke the seal, poured it out. I said, that's good. That ain't going to save you. That's good for you. Took his cigarettes, threw them away. I said, that's good. Good for your help, but that's still not going to save you. And I went to the greatest plan, greatest story ever been told, Jesus saves. And there he said, Lord Jesus, I'm a wicked sinner. That's Jesus coming to his heart. I didn't know it. He didn't know it. Three months later, he died. He had terminal cancer. He did not know that. I went to the funeral. He weighed 61 pounds. And I looked and I said, Dad, I'll see you on the other side. Prayer works. Can I give you one more story? I didn't got an outline yet. Now, the preacher said I could preach to one. I'm teasing. He did not say that. I'm in trouble again. But I remember my, I just remember this one. I remember at my father's funeral, my aunt kept staring at me. And I, she made me uncomfortable. Kind of think something wrong with me? Suits up on my tire face or whatever. Finally, she came up to me and said, I remembered something when you were born. You were a newborn. Your mother was out rocking you on the front porch. I was there helping her. Your dad was out on a drunk. And your mother was just weeping. And she said, Doris, are you okay? By the way, mother, my mother passed away. She's in heaven. That's okay too. And I'll see her again. I preach her funeral. Lord's good. And... Um, and I said, Doris, are you okay? She says, I am now. And she was cuddling me and says, it's okay. I've given my son to the Lord. I've asked God to use him. But then she said this. She said, I remember your mom said this. She said, I said, Lord, if he doesn't serve you, take his life. I'm like, whoa. <laughs> Moms, God hears. <laughs> God answers prayer. Boy, do we need to pray. Now look at this particular chapter and here's the Apostle Paul pleading for prayer today. And I'm pleading with you and I, we need prayer for our nation. We need prayer for one another more than ever before. We are fighting the devil from every angle, it seems like. And sometimes, to be honest, it looks like, man, we are just not winning. And God said, what are you talking about? The battle's over by faith. God still reigns. He's still on the throne. And notice in verse 1, as we begin to look at these verses, first of all, I see the passion and the plea of prayer. And Paul says, finally, it's like to me, in my mind, I can imagine Paul saying, man, I'm finally, Lord, thank you that I can deal with a subject that is important to me, that's made an impact in my life, that I know that will change others, and that is prayer. Amen. Right. Lord, thank you for prayer, the, the ability of prayer and the power of prayer. Right. And then notice he uses the term pray. We know what that means. Do you also know, you, I mean, do you understand the word prayer means to beg, yeah. to beseech, 
I mean, this is Paul's, he's pleading, I need your prayers. The greatest Christian that ever lived, in my opinion. The greatest theologian that ever lived. The greatest missionary of all time said, I am broken and weak and undone apart from prayer. I need your prayer. You know, I read that verse, it prayed for us, and it dawned on me. Paul is praying for the church to pray for the men of God. It hit me one day, you know what, I need to pray for the man of God and those who serve and those, not just for those on the mission field, we need to pray for those that are ministering. Do you know you determine the outcome of every service, every member in here, if we're all praying collectively for God to move on the man of God, to move on the church, you determine every, every service whether it's successful or failure. Boy, that hit me. When I go into church, it's the Lord remind me, I'm, you know, whether preaching or not, I'm part of this ministry. I'm part of this service. I determine the outcome. And when we take on a missionary, it's not as, oh, we're going to support you, but oh, God, will you anoint the man of God? Will you protect his family and use him for the glory of God? Need to pray for our Sunday school teachers. Then notice something else he says. Not only pray for the men of God and those who are laboring and toiling, but he says also pray Notice that the word of the Lord may have free course. And that means to remove the obstacles, to remove the hindrances, to remove those things that would hinder the message from, being, from going forth and touching and changing lives. Bottom line is, Lord, remove the things from my life that could cause God not to be able to speak to others. Amen. Remove the obstacles or the bitterness or the discouragement or the distraction or the sand, whatever it might be. Lord, may I be focused on you and oh God, take the word of God and save that sinner. Encourage that believer that needs to be helped. Prayer still works. And every ministry we've been in, when we started the work over three times in Winnipeg, I said, this is it, I'm ready to quit. God said, finally, I've got you to the place where I can do something. Oh man. God only uses broken things. God only uses that which is crushed. God only uses that which is yielded in the master's hand that God can get all the glory and all the honor and all the majesty. And Kathy and I weeping, starting over three times. Satanic workers pretend to be believers, destroying the faith of baby Christians. I feel like it couldn't be helped. It couldn't be started. Couldn't go on. But when we came to that place, God, whatever it takes, and praying and fasting, and God began to work, and God rose up, and God raised up the church. Prayer still works. Through those that are hurting and those that are downcast and for one another. You know how to overcome your difficulties and your bitterness? Pray, pray, pray. And then he noticed something else. He talks about the promise and the security of prayer. He gives us an example of prayer, the proof of prayer. Notice, at the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified even as it is with you. In other words, you are the proof of God's power and that prayer works. I prayed for you and you got saved. It works. Don't give up. My sister, I prayed for her for 20, 25 years, devout Catholic. And finally one day she got saved by the grace of God. You know what? Don't give up. Don't quit. God is sufficient. Amen. And then second of all, notice we see the protection of prayer. We not only see the passion and plea for prayer. Boy, do we need that today. And boy, do we need the protection of prayer today. As I've said, I'm just blown away at the fact of the the enemies of America are Americans. I look at the media, it's hard, it's hard to fathom and hard to comprehend, but they hate the church, they hate the believer, they hate you and I. That's right. 
I mean, they're determined to shut the doors of the church and take our freedom away. But guess what? They can do nothing when the church is believing and praying. God still reigns. Amen. 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 I remember when we lived in England, we lived in Ipswich. We started our church services in the afternoon. That was back in the 70s. And after the service, we'd go and take the girls out there. We'd little, take them to a little park. It was called Christ Church Park. And finally one day I happened to notice all these little monuments and statues in the park there. And it dawned on me. It had the names of men and women. Then it gave the reason that they were honored. They were burned at the stakes for their faith in Christ. And I said, I'm standing on hollowed ground. At the time the church, the Catholic church said, it's not just Christ. It's the church. They said, no, it's Jesus alone. And these people refused to deny their faith and they were burned at the stakes for their... It gave their names... Heroes of faith. Wow. Lord, I complain about the little things. Thank you for the great saints of old. Thank you for the foundation, the heritage we got as believers. Those who've paved the way. Prayer still works. We know that prayers work because in Revelation, God said He collects prayers. Man, God is eager for you to pray. God's eager to answer your prayers and meet your needs. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says maybe, sometimes he says no, sometimes he says not now, but God knows what's best. There's sometimes I feel like God needs my counsel, my help. God, it doesn't make sense. Being honest, I know that's not true, but I'm there, but God. <laughs> and then when I say it, I said, thank you, Lord, for being patient with someone like me. Protection of prayer. Notice what it says. And that we may be delivered from unreasonable. Is that not, is that not where we're at today? And wicked men, for all men have not faith. Boy, I mean, we're there today. They're empowered today. And yet God's had to remind me, God's allowed it for my good. But I said, God, this doesn't look good. It doesn't feel good. And I don't like it. But God still reigns. And Lord, I'm praying for their conversion. I'm praying, God, you'll touch their hearts. And God, I'm claiming for the protection of the church today. God still reigns. He cannot, Satan cannot stop the gospel. Amen. Amen. When we were in Germany, I remember we went into, um, my goodness, what is it, Romania? We went into different countries before the Iron Curtain came down, Czechoslovakia, which is now, it's, it's changed its name. I forgot what it was. We went in under communism. I'd never seen such misery and difficulty. And oh, how you, God reminded me that's exactly what that lost person's like without Jesus Christ. There is no joy, there is no peace, there is no hope without Jesus Christ. Dear friend, we get so involved in life and living, we forget Jesus is the purpose of life and living. But, well, anyway, so he's dealing with warfare, battles, conflicts. And then notice with me, third point, we're going to make it in time. I'm going to let you out by 12, 15. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I'm going to let you out on time, whatever time it is, but I'm going to let you out. I'm teasing. You're very patient and loving. Thank you. But notice prayer. You know, God's had to remind me when I, was, we, when I was in England as well. I remember another ministry that I helped when it was a mission work. And it finally called a full-time pastor. And the other missionary said, would you help the young man that's taking the work? I said, sure. And I was at another church helping that ministry. And all of a sudden, within a couple of years, that church went through great trials, great difficulties, great battles. And uh, they had to ask the pastor to resign. It was very bad, very tragic. And it was a good ministry. And I, I hated that. And so I remember they, they, one of the men of the church called me and said, Brother Dave, would you come and be with us Sunday? I need you to help us. 
you know, try to get on our bearing straight to do a business meeting because there's nobody else. You know, we didn't have that many preachers over there, the intermissionaries. And I said, sure. I got up Saturday morning. I had laryngitis. I spoke like this. So I said, Kathy, call. I forgot his name. I said, call him and tell him, I can't come. I've got laryngitis. I said, I'm sorry. And um, so she called me and he said, let me speak to the preacher. I went, yes. He said, he said, I don't care if you whisper, we need you here. I said, tell them to sit close. <laughs> Real close to the front. And they came. And I said, well, what am I going to do? And God said, just talk about the love and mercy and the grace of God. I just read John 3.16. I would maybe three or four minutes. I said, I talk like this. I said, it's time to seek His love. Time to seek His grace. Time to seek His mercy. And let the past go. That's all I said. And they, they started coming and weeping. See, God, didn't, God was showing me, Dave Cook, I didn't want your preaching. I just wanted a vessel where I can get the glory. Oh, what a great sermon. Four minutes. <laughs> yeah, that may help me say, oh, yeah, it was good. I like that. Yeah, it was short to the point. I like that. <laughs> and God taught me that. And then I am about prayer and trusting the Lord. And I said, God, I don't know what to do. I remember when I just surrendered to preach and I was in Mobile, Alabama. This was a long time ago. And I was at the church, showed up, and the pastor said, Brother Dave, there's a pastor that had surgery. He thought he could speak. He can't. had a brain tumor. And it's a pretty good-sized church, but we have nobody. We need you to go and fill in this morning. I went, I had one sermon. Not one much to it. I'm going there. I said, God, I don't have a clue. I don't know how to preach. I, was, I mean, I was praying more fervently, and God just once again said, just preach on the grace and mercy of God and the love of Jesus. And I preached on, what I said, God brought to my heart, I preached five minutes. I said, maybe God's allowed this in this church life because there's things in the ministry that need to be made right. I don't know. I said, that's all I've got to say. Maybe you need to make some things right. And sure enough, I've never seen the altars feel like they did. That was over 40 years ago. You know what God's looking for you? Not great talent. Right. Availability. But notice last of all, and I bring it to a close, but notice I see three things in verses 3 through 5. The promise, power, and ability of prayer. See, you cannot pray and not be affected by it. Notice what he says. He reminds us through all the trials and all the difficulty and all the troubles and storms, but the Lord is faithful and God still reigns. And then he says, who shall establish you. That means to strengthen, to build up, to maintain your strength and, uh, and energy. Boy, do I need that every day. With all the junk, and I pray for men of God, God reminds me, I pray for those that, more that I just truly, and I would not like them personally, but I pray for their conversion, leaders and so on, that God would bring them to repentance and salvation. And then I, that's something else, notice, and keep you from evil. That's a military term. Stand guard. And when I think about this, I remember, in fact, I, I remember the brother telling me, being in Vietnam as well, telling me about this, and, and this is funny. You want to hear a funny story? won't take long. About me. So it's really funny. And I remember, I just got in. We're just starting. Basic training. And all of a sudden, they told me, said, Dave Cook, we're going to give you an M14. You're going out to an optical course about maybe 30, 40 miles outside the base in the middle of nowhere, no lights on, no nothing. And you're going to guard that obstacle course. 
Nobody there, no lights, no nothing. And we're going to try to sneak up on you and, and get you. Oh, this is so exciting. They wouldn't give me ammo, I guess, because I'd have shot anything and everything. No ammo. Wow, this is great. I got an empty gun here. You come at me and I'm going to scare you with this thing, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, for two hours, I marched around in the dark, waiting for somebody to jump out. They never did. But, you know, I may not, I may not could, have, could have seen the circumstances such way, but God was seeing me. And He sees me day in and day out. God is not blinded. He sees your life and your circumstances and all your battles and all your... He loves you. Prayer changes us. It builds us. And then also prayer changes others. How about that? You got people that are you're burdened for. You got, you got situations, circumstances, concerns with. At verse 4, and we have confidence, faith in the Lord, touching you, concerning you, that you both do and will do the things which we command you, praying for God to give victory in people's life and to keep them in the will of God. Right. Don't give up on loved ones. Don't give up on people. Pray, pray, pray. My dad sang a song before he died. How long has it been? Talk about prayer. How's your prayer life? Your prayer determines your success. Because it, I mean, if you're looking for a recognition, prayer doesn't do it. It, it honors Him. Amen. I need to honor Him. Good, I'm broken. And then notice the blessings of prayer. What's the impact? What will happen in your life daily as you truly seek God in prayer? And the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. And into the patient waiting for Christ. My, from my perspective, it keeps me in the will of God. It keeps me in the presence of God. It immerses me into the love of God. <laughs> oh, to know the love of God. And then it keeps my hope for the coming of the Lord. And in patient waiting for Christ. Then I want to close with this. I remember one of the greatest movements or revivals I've ever seen. I call it a revival. I first went to Bible college. I won't mention it now because tragically they're not where they should be. But I remember going there when they first started and there was a passion and a hunger for God like I've never seen. They had a revival. Two-week revival. Could you imagine that? Morning and night. Fanatics. You imagine doing that here? Are you crazy, preacher? Two-week revival? How can we? I mean, they did it. And it was preaching on holy, holy is the Lord. God is righteous. And He desires righteousness. He desires, he desires for you to, and I to pray and commune with God. The, oh, the plea for prayer and a passion for God. I remember he got into maybe the, towards the second week and it was, a mo it was a morning. I can't remember. Kathy and I was there. She was expecting our first child. And all of a sudden, he started to walk up to the platform. This man's now in heaven. But he tried to exalt the Savior. And he walked up and all of a sudden, I've never felt the presence of God like I did then, preacher. Never, honest in my life. The presence of God fell on that auditorium. And nobody said, let's pray. Let's come to the altar. We were broken. They was weeping. They was, probably had this college at the time, they had two or 3,000 students. And there was church members there packed out. And we were weeping, crying out to God. God, I'm undone. I'm broken. Forgive me. God began to move. In fact, their services were live television. 
I remember for several months the services were interrupted. The preacher get up to preach, read his text, and all of a sudden people come flooding to the altar. Average 60, 70 people a week getting saved by the grace of God. I remember people coming to the platform, falling on their face before the preacher. I've sinned, I've sinned, I need forgiveness. Preacher, I've gossiped, I've criticized, please forgive me. Preacher, I, I don't know if you got to preach a sermon in months. Every class, revival broke out. Could you imagine this? Math, English, science, amen. God is science. Interrupted. Youth pastor got saved. People got saved. Church members got saved. People got right. I said, Lord, I've never sensed it like that before. Lord, I want that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. When God moves, nobody has to be pleaded with, Lord, I just want God. I'm tired of being empty. Our country is so broken today. And it's ministries like this, people like you, that we can make a difference. I love this church. I love you folks. I need you to pray for me that, oh, I'll just keep on for the Savior right. and for one another. Pastor. Pastor.